I'm expecting this Romans 8 recording of under God to give me all types of freedom that I need. And it's interesting because I had to do the, um, what do you call it? Like the, I did the in part after the sermon and the sermon was, it was a guest preacher because it's our pastor's anniversary. Um, and she was preaching about freedom and not just God's ability to give you freedom from something that's like holding you or hurting you, but to give you freedom to do something, right? To walk fully in the call. I read Romans 8 as sort of trying to talk us through freedom, the freedom to, the new freedom to. I also like this scripture, shout out to whoever put this in the rotation in the lectionary, because it holds, at least in my Baptist tradition, it holds so many quotes. It holds so many of the things like we just say in church mm-hmm. is like in this one chapter. Mm-hmm. And so while I don't, while we can just read only the, you know, the portion that's from the lectionary, I think it's important to at least name the, uh, you know, like when we do the reflection to name the other quotes, just so that people can know where they're coming from. Because like, yeah, there's so many things that like I say now, or I grew up saying or grew up hearing. And it's like, someone only read this, <laughs> this, this chapter of this book of the Bible. It was like, okay, these are all the churchy things I'm going to say for the rest of my life. And they're like all there. <laughs> Hi friends, this is Under God. I'm Isaiah Lewis. And I'm Jackie Newsom. And we are two outsiders who are coming together to question the text and build community together. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Woo woo! Welcome back, welcome back. Lectio Divina. Reflecting in our true, authentic states of being bringing our full selves to the text wanting needing expecting to hear something that will be helpful this is a podcast for everybody you believe in god you don't believe in god you beefing with god you beefing with family members friends whatever you are welcome in this space you don't have to yeah you don't have to have any type of faith tradition you just need to want to listen to people talk about life and <laughs> interpreting a written text. Pretty much. Unless you're here for the jokes. Not sure you should continue to listen if you're here for the jokes. I don't want to go back too much because I feel like we talk about it. I picked this scripture because it has, it's, we, I feel like you've said this before. Maybe it was in season one. Like there are some scriptures that are like the greatest hits. And this is another one of them. Like this is another greatest hits where if, if you have any, I think if you just like live, especially if you're black, if you just kind of live in the world (laughs) as a black person, you maybe have heard or read these, some of, some of these quotes. (laughs) Um, So we're going to only read um, the portion that was assigned for the lectionary but we're going to talk about it all. We're going to talk about this whole Romans chapter eight, and we're going to point out some of some of the greatest hits quotes, just so you can sort of orient yourself. Um, we're going to give context after we reflect, 
And then I have a good faith belief, as we say in court, that there's going to be some good preaching. There's going to be a word from somewhere (laughs) at the end. Um, Anything you want to add before I read, Isaiah, about what we do or who we are or I don't know, anything? Oh, yeah, I guess our whole Israel-Palestine conversation didn't make the didn't make the recording. Shit, I guess it should have. That's something I was wondering about. It's like I wasn't I wasn't it was, I was just it was just like a combo for, you know, to start, but I think your end question of like and what do we do, right? In light of what is happening in the world and in light of harm and colonialism and oppression and violence what do we ask god for what do we expect from god that's a very timely question when reading romans 8 so i don't think we have to pretend like you know we are recording in the context of a moment another moment where there are conversations about palestine where there is violence happening where people are dying, including children Mm -hmm. and where colonial powers are suggesting that the underdog is the enemy. Anything you want to add? No, I don't think so. Because I think if I start talking, I'm just going to like, I don't know, go off a little bit on why the listeners of the show are not going to be confused about like why talking about this as an Israel-Palestine conflict or a war or something like that is completely in and of itself propaganda. Um, So I will quiet myself for the time being and uh, and we can just read. I don't know. Um, God... Mm. ancestors divine beings entities spirits god or gods honestly whatever for me my tradition (laughs) the god of the enslaved god of the oppressed show up now during this time of reflection, of questioning, of vulnerability. Do something. Do something. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay. Romans chapter eight, verses 22 through 27, specifically read. Reads, says, the words on the page are. Yep. We know that the whole creation is groaning together and suffering labor pains up until now. And it's not only the creation. We ourselves, who have the spirit as the first crop of the harvest, also groan inside as we wait to be adopted and for our bodies to be set free. We were saved in hope. If we see what we hope for, that is in hope. Who hopes for what they already see? But if we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it with patience. In the same way, 
The spirit comes to help our weakness. We don't know what we should pray, but the spirit pleads our case with unexpressed groans. The one who searches hearts knows how the spirit thinks because he pleads for the saints consistent with God's will. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We're going to pause and reflect on the whole thing though, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm convinced I, you're right. This is what we should be reading right now. (laughs) I read the wrong thing and it was a good thing, but this is the right thing. Who hopes for what they already see? Yeah, another translation says hope that is seen is not hope at all. Mm. Mm. The whole creation is groaning together. Yeah, it's NIV. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. Mm. I like I like this version. The spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. Hmm. And they who search our hearts know, know the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Man, I hope that's true. Right? Like, I really, really hope that's true. NIV, not not only so, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. God, I just can't. I <clears throat> This may not be traditional Lectio Divina. I'm going to keep going. I mean, 28. This is, I mean, it's a classic. And we know that in all things, this is NIV, God works for the good of those who love the Lord, who have been called according to God's purpose. Right? When things are going, things are going bad. I'm like, all things work together. All things work together. Mm -hmm. All things work together for the good. All things work together for the good. Those God predestined, God also called. Those God called. God also justified. Those God justified, he also glorified. Ugh. NIV, sorry, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Mm -hmm. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that. More than the death. Come on, Cone. More than the death. Come on, woman and scholars. More than that. Who who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written. For your sake, we face death all day long. We considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors 
through Christ who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, colonial powers, white supremacist powers, capitalist powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, nothing. Not alcoholism, as I said at, at my cousin's funeral, right? Not addiction, not prisons, not jails. Nothing, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The top NIV still, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That shame that you carry, that's a lie. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free sets you free from the law of sin and death. Elsewhere, right? This notion who the sun sets free is free indeed. Mm -hmm. You free. So so what does that mean? What does it mean to live free? To believe this, to be free. I like the C because it talks about around verse, you know, verses nine and 12, like it it starts talking about selfishness, Mm -hmm. right? And that there's a call to not be selfish. Yeah. Verse six, the, the attitude that comes from selfishness leads to death. NIV 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And I decide to read this in connection with Psalm, oh, what is it? That I will I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, right? And so it's mm-hmm. just like, yep, I'm going to decide. These present sufferings are nothing compared to the day we will see a free Palestine, to the day we will see abolition. In the land of the living. In the land of the living. Well, friends the end goodbye get happy I, uh, yeah i don't know if it's clear to de-churched unchurched folk why this is so compelling to me but if i could just sit here for a week if i could just sit here and believe these things sit in my tent with isaiah for a week maybe i would have the energy to keep going on <laughs> with life all right what you can whatever you want to do next i'm just i'm just here yeah, I mean, I kind of don't know what to do either. Like, the hope that we have is eschatological, I feel like. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. the hope that we have is... What's the what's your tattoo? Already not yet. I was just thinking about that. Like, there's something that we see, but it is, it's the thing that's coming. And we have to hope that, that it's coming. If we see what we hope for, then it isn't hope. Mm-hmm. Who hopes for what they already see? Mm-hmm. But if we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it with patience. But the word patience, apparently, patience isn't quite right. It's more like eagerness, anticipation. Like, patience sounds a lot more passive than what they're going for there. Mm-hmm. You're you're praying with the um, to the ancestors or praying, asking for an intercession from the ancestors. And I... I think when we were talking about Psalm 23, 
we were talking about the the ruts of the path Mm -hmm. and i wonder if there's a connection here like the that there's a tie here between the past and the future um and a sense of knowing that it's an already and not yet um we know what we're going for and it's it's not yet but we keep working for it we keep groaning for it we keep sighing for it um and we keep working for it i mean it's not passive it's anticipation you're not just laying around hoping that it's going to show up um you have to work in the ruts <laughs> mm. Mm. and trust that they lead somewhere I don't know, friend. What do you want to say? I want context. I want to know if you have any more context for any of this stuff. And that's what you want to know? I want to know. I'm hoping that there's some good news in the context. (laughs) This is Paul, right? This is Paul. Paul has written um, somewhere 57-58 BC, so before the Gospels are written. Um, he's in Corinth, so he's never met the Romans. Some people think that this is just like an argument, uh, like a like this is his magnum opus. This is like what he has to say about God and stuff, because it is the most comprehensive of any of his letters. Um, and there doesn't seem to be a particular problem that he's attempting to address in Romans, so he's not writing in response to a problem um, like he is in every other letter. So usually when he writes a letter, it's because somebody has written to him to say, hey, this is this is going on. Um, what do we do about it? In Romans, this is like unsolicited advice. <laughs> and he tries to like say... He's like, I've been really eager to like talk to you. And what I mean is for us to be mutually beneficial to each other. And then he goes on for like many, many chapters saying, and here's what I think. Um, but it's really him trying to figure out what the grace of God does and like what, how do we understand what? what Jesus means essentially that's that's what I get from it is like he spends this time trying to think through he's talking through it and it's it's rhetorical but he's trying to figure out in the earlier chapters like so then what what is the law and like why why is there sin and like why um is it that the sin is that that the law is evil no that's not it so then if God is glorified even through our sin, does that mean that we should do whatever we want? Like, no, that's not it. And so he's he's just like thinking through why if I want to do right, do I sin? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. and like and if I sin and God works good anyway, does it even matter? if I'm trying to do good or not. And if it does matter, why, why would it matter? And if it doesn't matter, then why 
doesn't it matter? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how do I understand my life if if I if I give up the sense that I'm the one who's in control of of good things because I know that I'm going to fail? Then, like, how do I understand where good things come from? And how do I if I can see how much is wrecked in this world, then how do I reconcile the wreckedness with the goodness of God? Mm. Um, and his answer to that is like, no, it's not that creation is bad. No, it's not the law that is bad. Um, sin can turn, well, sin can use good things and corrupt them um, can can use even good things to to wreak havoc, but we're going so like God's grace, like that. There's a that that we're in this process of becoming that 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 it doesn't end with wreckedness. Um, that that we're all yearning for this thing that is going to happen that that we're not going to be left here um and that's i mean all of these arguments all of these things that he's trying to think through sort of are culminated in chapter 8 i think what's interesting to me in terms of the context is that this is before the gospels so people so paul is going around and and it's not just paul right there are other teachers there are the apostles who actually were with Jesus. Um, and th- there are hymns that he references that were that predate even him writing his letters, right? Because otherwise he wouldn't be able to reference them. There are all of these believers. There are all these people who just like are going on the basis of what other people told them is true. And like everybody is trying to make sense of who Jesus was without um i want to say without a consistent story but and i guess that's true but it's it's like something they could feel like that like at this point churches are very much being made up as they go along like Mm -hmm. this is the first time church has ever happened Mm -hmm. um and they're trying to figure out like who's in and who's out and all of that. And Paul is trying to offer this cosmic vision of like, like it's not just about if you're circumcised or uncircumcised, it's the whole, like all of creation, Mm -hmm. all of creation is, is groaning is, is, is yearning for this new life. Um, this is in some ways the start of Christianity is this sense of yearning um, and a recognition that we just can't do it on our own, but that God intercedes on behalf of us. Mm. Um, mm, mm, mm. That God prays for us because we can't pray for ourselves or when we can't pray for ourselves. And that's, that's before the gospels. Mhm. Mhm. That's what I'm struck with this 
in this reading right now. I mean, Paul knew about the resurrection. He had this encounter with Jesus, right? So it's not like, but from that, what he, from that, that one encounter that he had, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't on the road with Jesus for three years. He was just, his experience with Jesus is, was brief. I mean, profound, shocking, um, in some ways traumatic. I mean, he was like blind for a little bit after that, like, but from that one moment, what he learns, what he knows is that the whole world is yearning. Like, I don't know. Um, Mm -mm, That's it. I mean, and that changes everything about him, right? Like, he's a persecutor. He's... He's somebody who's going out killing people or getting people killed. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that feels like some good news to me. I mean, this is a story of the oppressed, but also this is a story that shows that an oppressor can be converted, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can be transformed through grace. I guess I'm grateful for that. I know that Paul is a contentious figure, but I think, you know, as a white person living in a world of white supremacy, it, knowing, seeing Paul be converted in the understanding that, like, in relationship with God, that that God changes us, right? That God pulls us into this cosmic vision. That that selfishness, the selfishness that leads to death, is not the last word. Um, I don't know, and that in relationship with the Christ that liberates, right? That there can be a new creation, that that I can be a part of the new creation that is a, a world of liberation. Um, and I, you know, I have to hope that that, that is true. And that hope isn't passive. Mm-hmm. It's not passive. It's an active participatory of hope. But I have to believe that that is true. Paul shows me what that can look like. And I think it's important. I want to talk about for the sake of, you know, integrity, right? Because we, we are good for ripping a text apart and talking about why it's in light of its context. It's, you know, it's not reasonable and we should read it differently or, and I think the reason why I'm willing to, to say yeah, this is it, right? This is, in summary, a good vision of who and what God is, is because it feels so consistent with what I believe like Christian ethics should be or are. It feels so consistent with 
who we see in the gospels, right? It feels mm-hmm. so consistent with the overall picture of who God is and what God does. Old Testament and New Testament, mm-hmm. right? The notion, what can separate us from the love of Jesus? Like what can separate us? It That feels true. Nothing, nothing feels like the, this, you know, this feels accurate, right? No, no contingencies, no holds barred, no, you know, whatever else. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. That, that seems consistent with the context. And that's why I feel like I get to be excited about this text. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit will help us in our weakness. That feels consistent, right? That, that the law is not to be your oppressor, that you are allowed to have hope, that you are human and therefore not perfect and we are groaning. You know, like all of this feels consistent and that is why instead of being like, nope, nope, that's wrong, that's wrong, here's how it's wrong. I'm reading this text and I'm, and I'm wanting to feel full and to feel hopeful, right? And to feel excited and wanting to be able to, to, out of these greatest hits, you know, feel the good news is because this, this image, right, feels consistent with the biblical text, right? If we read it and, and think through the ethics and the consistency, you know, you know what I mean? And the picture mm-hmm. that's being painted, it feels consistent with my lived experience. Right. And it feels consistent with my hope and with my needs. Mm-hmm. It must be true that that the law is powerless. Because how else did I get free? Mm-hmm. It must be true that the Holy Spirit goes before me in prayer. Because prayers have been answered that I haven't uttered. It must be true that nothing can separate us because here I am still. It must be true that we are more than conquerors because look at the narratives of the oppressed. Mm -hmm. It must be the case that it is God who justifies and who calls because capitalism and white supremacy would have it a different way. It must be true. And if it has ever been true before, then there is hope that it can be true again. Mm -hmm. And it is there that I stand. And some days that's not good enough, but today it is. Amen. Benediction? Benediction. Wait, shout out to Jess who today we're going to be a little late, but is what's happening? It's her it's her I want to call it a coronation and that's incorrect. <laughs> um Oh. Commissioning. 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 Congratulations to our homegirl Jessica Cormara, who is having her commissioning at the same time that we're recording. We love you, Jess. Thank you for for making us do this podcast. Thank you for supporting us and loving us and praying for us and being our friend. Congratulations. Congratulations. Hooray. Hooray. Okay. Benedict. So. I'm convinced 
that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not death or life, not angels or rulers, not present things or future things, height or depth or any other thing that is created. So go, live as free people. Remembering that hope that is seen, hope that is seen is not hope at all. So go ahead, keep the faith, baby. Under God was created by Jackie Newsom and Isaiah Lewis. Our music is by Broke for Free. This is real life prayer, you guys. Like, this is not a drill. This is not a drill. <laughs> it's true. It's true.